I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It's week one. Well, it's now week two. Football's back. Just like Pete behind the curtains, we are recording this on Monday night. So when my Broncos smash the Tennessee Titans tonight, this is either going to go one way or the other. <laughs> But um, yeah, this will drop on Tuesday. It is Tuesday when you're listening to it. Big man, how are you doing? How was your week one? Uh, I haven't fully got into it to see how how it was in the end. There's a few games that are still on close um, yet to be decided. And then I think in most of our main leagues, we did quite well. And I did quite well. That's good. So I think I think all right. Um the only things I know for sure is we're going to get a point in the in the Ryder slash President's Cup nice. as team captains, and Europe looks like it could go off to a storm. In it'll be probably either a four-two or a five-one lead. Five-one, oh, that would be. Oh, I mean, that would be yeah. I mean, that would be genius. We need uh, James to um, pull out his match against Kevin Tompkins, but Gary's got a dub pretty much. We've got a dub pretty much locked. Um, and we're 2-0 up because Freddie from the franchise tag and uh, Pitsy have secured wins. Nice. So we're in we're in good spot. We'll have four points on the board at least, and hopefully we pull five. So that was good. You smashed your SFB 10 week one fixture. Good. I'm 
not in a bad spot. I was hoping to be a slightly better spot. I'm 20 points up with Melvin Gordon. He has Derek Henry. It should uh, be all right. Uh, yeah, unless unless Derek Henry goes off for 300 yeah, but yards. But that is possible. Game. But I'm just, uh, yeah, you, you, I don't want to take it for granted. No, of course. And then it looks like we might go 2-0 and in the Kings Classic against the Fantasy Point Lads. Basically, we could put a major dent in the Fantasy Points because it could go with me and the SFB. 10 and us in the Kings, we could go three and out against them, <laughs> which would be quite good. That would be nice. That would be more than well. It sounds like you had a slightly better week one than I did. I won my home league dynasty, the one we're in, that was convincing, even with Michael Thomas scoring 4.6 points or something. Yeah, I lost in that. But, but my team is dog. Yeah, well, you were handed a bad card, let's, let's be fair. Um, <laughs> I am mean, year two of a seven year rebuild. Funnily enough, though, you're not the bottom scoring team. No, well, I built the right team. Seven year build, <laughs> seven year build, mate. I need, to, I need all those, all the running backs. Basically, it needs to be like a FIFA regen or a football manager regen. I need all the running backs to like go away, and then we start again. <laughs> that's purely what is going to happen when you get to fifteen seasons through with Sampdoria and nobody is real anymore. That sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, and then so I won that. I won a couple of others, and then when I was scrolling down my sleeper, everything was just it, I got annihilated. But it was week one, and you know these things happen, and it's trust the process, bounce back, get your waivers right, and hopefully we can we can go again week two. You can yeah. go back to that legendary status of being postman Pat, because unlike regular postman, you can deliver on Sundays. Yeah, I mean, is that does Postman Pat actually deliver on Sunday? I suppose if you flick CBBS, he's, yeah. yeah, he's always on. <laughs> always on. <laughs> it's always on. Postman Pat's evolved now. I, don't I know. know if you watched any of the recent ones. He's got his own plane. He's got his own. What? <laughs> he's got his own plane. No, I've not seen any. I he's just got his know. Own boat. <laughs> I I just know that I really Stephen Mangan is it the guy who voices him? Yeah. Yeah, he's good. But he's got his own plane. He's got his own boat. Um. He's, he's got, got no, no. He's got no excuses not to deliver on a Sunday. Basically, I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this has gone the other way. If Postman Pat isn't delivering on Sunday, something has gone wrong. That's it. Well, it's twenty twenty, after all. That's very true. I was going to say talking of going wrong, but it is twenty twenty. We've gone off track already. We've got some winners for the full ten yards giveaway, Murph. Yeah, that's right. So didn't get as many entries as as we do for our regular competitions. Normally, we get anywhere between. 30 and 100 entries i think maybe maybe because it was so close to the season yeah i don't i don't know if people don't want competitions and free stuff anymore we don't have to do it i mean (laughs) that's fine (laughs) we'll give away the digital copies so we do have three winners for those and then we'll see what the appetite is for the physical copy so if you missed it last week um the full 10 yards highs, Tim and, and the crew over there, and we contributed to this in a very small section. I mean, like basically like 150 words a piece have written an awesome NFL guide for the season. And do you know what? These things are useful because even if the season's already started, it's always good to go back and think about who was on what teams when you're thinking historically and things like that and draft results. And they've got all that information in there. So they are giving away, uh, they've given us two physical copies to give away and three digital copies to give away so wasn't too happy with the response that we got online maybe the question was too hard i i kind of thought it was a gimme but... the one about who do we support yeah you only had to name one of us yeah to be fair if you don't know who murph supports and you've been following the podcast are you really listening come on 
yeah, I think I think that's fair. But um, anyway, we're going to give away the three digital copies. So um, William Schuler, uh, Kieran Morley, and Sam Cook, you guys have won the digital copies. So I'm going to uh, reach out to you and send you the link, and you can have access to that. In fact, you would have already had access before you've listened to this. That's how efficient modern technology is. Um, <laughs> okay, granddad. <laughs> this interweb thing is, is not a fad. It's it's genuine. Um, as for the physical copies, let's, let's do something um, better with them. I've got you. <laughs> I can just um, see stocks giggling away on the screen. Um, if Let's do – so i tell you what. We'll do the traditional. Anyone left over hasn't won it. Keep using the tweet. Um, the tweet should be the pinned tweet. Um, if not, I'll retweet it so it's near the top of the feed. Um, you just need to say which one. Uh, just name one of the teams that, that we support. Um, and since stocks has pretty much dropped who he supports at the start of this, and I pretty much talk about who I support every week. Hashtag Father um, Cannons. <laughs> you should be able to find out pretty easily um, who we support. If so, we'll do one that way. The other is we're going to state where we'll ask people to make a claim for it. So do something, a video, uh, a tweet, do something originally creative um, to claim it. And the best, the best, most creative idea gets it. Um, could be anything. Just, just be creative. Uh, something that will make a smile or laugh. Or just is, is just very creative and, and ingenious, anything really. I'm, I don't really have any ideas. I'd love to say, oh yeah, if you did this, you'd win, but then be the first person who did it, and that would be pointless. Um, come up with something great, even if it's just really good memes that are very like under the radar that no one's ever seen, that should be seen. I mean, that's probably not going to win, but it's not a bad starting point. Yeah, that's fair. Just just something, just something creative, just something, something to yeah. show you us how much you want this guide because it is awesome it's a it's a brilliant guide um it's full of lots of information about all the teams the setups the fans perspective um betting odds uh draft results it's just a very comprehensive guide and even if you don't win you should go and buy it from uh the guys at the full 10 yards it's only 4.95 or 4.99 i might have done them with the service of 4p there um it's one of the two <laughs> Um, but it is awesome. It's great. And you can buy it on Amazon as well. And if you buy it on Amazon, um, you get the PDF for free. So um, really, really good price. So um, they were doing a kickoff weekend and they were giving it away for less, a lot less than that. And I don't know if that's still going, probably not, but message them and see if they'll do it. Um, but if you do want a, a physical copy, they said we've got two to give away. One will be through the, the regular. So find the, find the, find the uh, tweet. tweet. It should be the pinned tweet. And, um, and just tell us who we support. The other one, do something creative, just something awesome. Um, some previous winners' videos where we've asked people to get creative. Someone did an amazing darts video with a troll on the dartboard, and they literally threw the dart. They pinned the dart up, the, the troll up on the board of the first two darts, and then they threw the third one literally right in between the legs. But it was like so close into the bullseye. It was phenomenal. Something like that. There's a pile of trolls on the floor somewhere just peppered with holes, isn't there? That's, that's... But, but fair enough. If you do it once, I don't care if you missed it 60 times beforehand. It was awesome. Freddie did an amazing thing to get into the the champion of champions with uh, his washing line. 
you know it just just be creative we need a bit of sunshine to get away from this rule of six covid uh doom and gloom that is at, at buck special teams uh <laughs> randy bullock oh man you can tell, uh, I'm, you can tell I'm tired. DeAndre Swift. Oh no, poor DeAndre Swift. You can't. Not poor DeAndre Swift. Listen, absolute. No, no, if you're going to be a running back, commit. Don't commit to Georgia because they don't throw you the ball. Go somewhere else where you'll get the ball as a running back. Commit. Just saying. Anyway, that's how you win a copy. Do something creative. That's it. Simple instruction. <laughs> I've got a great idea, but I can't enter. So, tell wow. you what, if you want my idea, hit me up on. Uh, Find me on Facebook because I'm not on Twitter or Instagram. DM us on uh, Instagram and I'll give you my idea because there's a chance it's my idea. You might win. But then Murph might not <laughs> like it. So we'll keep the <laughs> down low and we'll keep going. Let's do some injury news, Murph. We might as well start with the fact that a thing has just popped up on my sleeper, a notification. That's the word. And uh, it's about Michael Thomas. And I've got so many notifications, I can't find it. Yeah, we go. Saint star wide receiver Michael Thomas suffers high ankle sprain in win against the Buccaneers. But is expected to play through it. So lies <laughs> don't say lies absolute lie absolute We've... rubbish he's got like a bruise oh no i thought you meant like he he's not going to play through it and he's going to be injured because we need him no, in the no. he, of course he's going to play listen he's come off the narrative is he set this record and he's caught three passes for like 17 yards or whatever it was yesterday and it's like what's going on with Michael Thomas? I know. We'll tell people that he's injured, and then it will stop all this. Oh, what happened to Michael Thomas? No, 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 no. He's probably got a bruise. He's probably got a bruise. Listen, Saints' offense yesterday. Look, they won fair play, but their offense was not that good. <laughs> no, and that's what's it, scary about their team. They won with a bad offense yesterday. They can win. They can win every way, and that is why they're one of the Super Bowl favorites. But that offense didn't look great. Uh, Michael Thomas didn't do anything. Drew Brees didn't do much. Alvin Kamara got the two touchdowns, but that was other it. than that, didn't do anything else. I mean, Jared Cook was was half relevant, but I mean, you know, the Bucks beat themselves more than than the Saints really went out there and smashed it. And I I just think this is this is a bit of gameship, gamesmanship to mask what wasn't an amazing performance because they feel like they need to that's what i personally think i could be wrong but I don't it, disagree. it just smells of it just smells of media narrative like um, all the all the shows this morning have said like michael thomas what's going on yeah okay the saints won but didn't look impressive i know here's how we temper it we'll say he's got a slight injury and as long as he's got a bruise that's true i don't know bruises bruises I know they do hurt, but is that an injury designation? A contusion, I suppose. I was yeah. just trying to find... Uh, is your sleeper app really slow, Murph? Uh, sometimes. There's part of me that thinks I've got too many teams, and it's telling me I've got too many teams, so back a few off. And then there's part of me that thinks it could be my old phone. I was just trying to find out when was the last time Michael Thomas had so few catches and targets, but... It was 2017. How do you know that? I watched the game. Oh, they bought the that stat in? They bought the stat in. That's disappointing. Yeah. Oh, he had five in week five of... Oh, he had four in 2018 against the Giants. Yeah, he had only three catches yesterday. Five targets, three catches. You're right. Week six, 2017 against Detroit, three receptions for 11 yards. There you are, Rush Nation. Murph's got it without even just the library back there. (laughs) 
Veritable library. Right, moving on. New York Jets running back Le'Veon Bell suffered a hamstring injury against the Bills, did not return. Linebacker Blake Cashman also exited early with a groin injury. Not good news for Lev Bell. Well, let's let's read uh, the line from Adam Gaze himself. Um, Because basically, Bell left the game, then he returned in the second half with his hamstring, and it was wrapped. And he lasted, I think it was like four or five plays. Um, and then that was it. He was sidelined again. And this is the quote from Adam Gaze. I'm mad at myself that I let him go back out there in the second half. Keep in mind, they were losing at this point 20 points to seven or three. Three. Yeah, 20 points to three they were losing at this point. Um, that play looked bad. Gaze of the play in which Bell was injured. I'm watching, and I thought it was going to be a touchdown. Then he got grabbed, and the kind of way he planted and talked, it looked really bad. I saw him grab his hamstring, and he wouldn't come out. We come in at halftime. I let him go in there. I was worried about it, and we were eventually like, I can't put you in there. We can't take the chance of getting more hurt than you already are, and then let him ply <laughs> and subsequently get more hurt. I mean, Adam Gaze is not doing himself any favors when it comes to trying to keep his job, and the fact that Bell could be sidelined for next week's game against San Francisco. I mean, he's basically his whole, his whole coaching tenure is going to be relying on Frank Gore. Who's what? 36, 35. I don't know. It feels like he's about 60 at this point. Yeah. So yeah, all in all, Adam Gay is just an absolute plum. Let him get more hurt and putting him out when he's been injured in a game that was effectively a dead, a lost cause. Mm. You know, if it's close, it's still week one. I still wouldn't advise it, but at least I half get it. Like you're 20 to three down and you've looked as bad as you've looked. Just take your licks and move on. But yeah, there's not even a handcuff fantasy wise. You want to go and get in this absolute disaster. That is the New York. Frank <laughs> yeah, but he's like 2.3 yards of carry. Going to do nothing. No, oh, well, sounds like Rojo. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk about Rojo in a bit. So the Dallas Cowboys linebacker Leighton Van Der Esch suffered a fractured collarbone. Really? Yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah, Leighton Van Der Esch suffered a fractured collarbone against the Rams. In Rappaport reports, Van Der Esch will be placed on IR, but is expected to return to the field later in the season. Rappaport added, that's what Rappaport added, Cowboys offensive lineman Cam Irvin and tight end Blake Jarwin each suffered knee injuries and did not return. The belief is that Jarwin's tore his ACL. Is that confirmed now? Have we yeah, that has been confirmed. So yeah, he had his MRI and it's come back as a torn ACL. That is a big blow for a breakout candidate at the tight end position. This is such a shame. I've just got breaking news. And if it was just 30 seconds earlier, it would have been so much better. Jets coach Adam Gaze isn't sure when Bell will be back, but said it could be a couple of weeks. Oh, typical Gaze a little bit late. <laughs> ruining everything he's ruining football teams he's ruining this podcast he's ruining Gaze. tom's life yeah tom's life i mean i had to do a mental health check on tom just to make sure he was okay because it was bad to watch i mean so bad but anyway yeah blake jarwin's a massive loss um a lot of people win on him on, on fantasy hashtag always jarwin was probably trending at some point never and yeah it's it's a shame um for him um, but these things, unfortunately, were always going to be a problem. Um, week one, people haven't done the full conditioning and training. And 
I think we said it last week, expect injuries and, and injuries we got. We got a lot of different injuries. And for Jarwin, it means Dalton Schultz. No, there's better options than Dalton Schultz. Just, uh, <laughs> just if you're desperate, sure. But uh, be to be really honest, <laughs> go look at the Wave of Wire article. Listen to the Wave of Wire podcast. They've got two absolute gems on there. Uh, this week and I, and including well Johnny Smith is still out there less than 30% owned I went in a different approach because I went with him week one um, and I didn't want to put the same both out there but the the, the waiver wire is littered with guys who can be tight end two um, with upshoots of tight end one but yeah the guys I've got out there this week are uh, must adds in my opinion so you won't miss Jarwin, unfortunately, but I do wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah, and I presume maybe now this makes CD Lamb even worth a little bit more just because of they've got a less reliable target at tight end, so maybe they'll put three wideouts out there a bit more often. Yeah, I, I definitely think CD Lamb becomes a little bit more of an arrow up. I mean, he was always playable, potentially, mm. um, but now I think, yeah, you can probably move him into that playable status a little bit earlier. Um and he's a bit of a, he's still for me a flex play at this point of the season, but you could play him if you needed to put him in, for, you know, to, if you were stuck in a bind. Talking of stuck in a bind, in that Indianapolis Colts running back, Marlon Mack is feared to have suffered a torn Achilles. That's via Tom Pelissero of NFL Networks. Mack was ruled out versus the Jags after suffering the angle injury in the first quarter. Just prior to this, Murphy tweeted that it looks like. Marlon Mack's workload is going to be lessened because of how Naheem Hines is being used. And then almost in a sick twist of fate, Mack goes down injured. Has he had his MRI? Do we know? Confirmed. He's out for the season. That's bad news for Mack and possibly good news for Jonathan Taylor as he might get a workload earlier on. But then Naheem Hines really looked good. And he got the opportunity early. This is this the reason I sent out the, those messages to people was Naheem Hines was the one carrying the ball. He got the first touchdown yesterday yesterday evening um, for any game. And that's because he, he had the ball and he was carrying it. And I think now it, it, it's, it's going to be a combination of the two until Taylor gets more of that share. Um, so again, look at the waiver wire pod. You might see Naheem Hines on there. Um, but yeah, I, I think Mac was the one to be honest, even if he played out the game, I mean, it's hard to see because you don't know how it would have finished, but if it was going at the rate it was going, I'd have been telling people to fade Mac all season and be like, this is it. He's he pretty much finished. Um, and that looks to be, well, I mean, he's done in Indy now because he's going to be out of contract. So uh, he's going to need to go. Hopefully he can demonstrate he's fit um, and can hit the free agency market and hopefully sign with a team somewhere and get an opportunity to start. Because I do like Marlon Mack. I think he's a good runner. He's had some injuries, but if he can get healthy, I think he's he's still got a part to play in the NFL. Absolutely. He's a very good player and he's just, unfortunately for him now, on the wrong team that's full of talent with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. And we've only got to look at how Philip Rivers has used his running backs in, in LA and how Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon were both relevant and possibly the same could be with, with Taylor and Naheem Hines. And obviously if they've got a rapport with Naheem Hines already and Taylor gets worked in, I think that could be a one-two punch rather than Taylor taking all of it. Just... Well, I think Taylor Taylor will be the lead back eventually. I think Hines yeah. might get the early work now, but Agreed. I think that will switch. But I think Hines is the is the, the third down back. I think he's, if you were to compare the two, I would say that Jonathan Taylor is more like the 
the Melvin Gordon and and Heen Hines is more like the Austin Eckler. I don't think he's going to be in the same stratosphere as Eckler was. Um, and I think that Jonathan Taylor is the one to own in that backfield. But I think they're both fantasy relevant mm-hmm. going forward. And, you know, if I was bidding, I said this on the waiver wire pod, I think if you bid 20, 25% of your fab on on Naheem Hines, I don't hate it. He's got the feel of uh, Tariq Cohen about it, hasn't it? That sort of... A little bit. Like, he's going to have some weeks where he's not going to be great, but he's a great bye week cover. I think he's sort of, I think he'll be in that running back three conversation, maybe squeaks into the RB2 in PPR, the low end of that, if he has some good games like he did yesterday. 100%. Moving on to Miami and Dolphins wide receiver Devontae Parker suffered a hamstring injury against the Patriots, did not return. Doesn't look good for Parker. Um, on a side note, I'm currently 1-1 on my lock it down wide receivers to avoid, waiting on the Monday night game for Sterling Shepard. Devontae Parker was the one who I was good on. The other one was New Hopkins. We'll talk about him in a little bit because that was whatever happened there. I have no idea. But I told you to fade Devontae Parker because of his matchup and because he was injured and now he's injured. So obviously that isn't to do with his matchup. It just, he had a hamstring injury in, in practice before the season. So I don't know whether playing him was the best idea. He looked healthy early on. He looked, he looked good. <laughs> and then the problem, again, this is all conditioning. Mm. They haven't been through that rigor enough. I'm not surprised to see the amount of Achilles and hamstrings injuries this week because they've not had that intensity of live play. And uh, I'm almost surprised there isn't as many hamstring injuries as, as there is um, because of that. I think we expected a lot of injuries and it, it's delivered. We saw a lot of guys get injured in the lead up to the week. Um, you know, Mike Evans, who did play, um, Kenny Golay, who didn't, Corton Sutton might not go. Um, there's a lot of guys that are banged up at wide receiver because it relies on speed. So your hamstrings, your Achilles, these are all tendons that can very quickly get injured because of the fact that they need time to work up and, and get to get to speed. So, yeah, massive shame for Parker. I do think he recovers quickly, might be a couple of weeks. Um, and let's hope he's he's back uh, and ready soon. Cleveland Browns tight end David Njuku suffered and exited early with suffering a knee injury. I haven't seen anything about this, Murph. Uh, yeah, don't know much about this. I know he scored the touchdown early in the game, and then he did leave the game with a knee injury. Um, he did seem to leave on his own steam, so I don't think it's overly serious, but I do think he probably, well, I do know he's going to be out because they're playing on Thursday night football. I would be incredibly surprised if he is going to be fit and ready um, for for Thursday. But we're talking about a player who's basically on the fringes of fantasy relevance despite scoring a touchdown. So uh, I don't think too many people listening to this are going to be hurt by uh, Njuku injury but if you are one of those that do own him yeah you'll need to make a a small change there and go look at the waiver wire article because there's a couple of guys you can get but <laughs> i'd say a better a better than Njoku anyway so yeah 100 percent. so los angeles chargers running back justin jackson did not return after suffering a quad injury and rookie joshua kelly just bleh, joshua kelly came in and looked pretty good yeah i think i think if there was ever going to be a question of who's going to lead and go forward. I think Joshua Kelly has won that sort of Melvin Gordon uh, role now. Mm. Um, and I think Justin Jackson is going to be behind the eight ball from there. So 
Um, shame again, quad injury, muscular legs, not a surprise. Uh, again, given conditioning, we'll see how long that is. But I don't think I think if you had Justin Jackson in your fantasy rosters, I I'd be dropping him for someone else now. Yeah, you probably had him purely as a handcuff in because either a handcuff, or you had him thinking he was going to get that that relevant work and he was going to be a bit of a bi-week cover. I, I took him in a few spots thinking he was going to be that sort of bi-week cover and I've been fading those shares uh, over the last few weeks um, and trimming it to get other players in. So, yeah, I think if you've got Justin Jackson, you, you can cut loose now and, and, and get a get a decent replacement in. Mm. I, it was funny to see Austin Eckler only get one target as well. In a season, we expected him to have so many receptions. He, he just got the one target. Yeah, I think a little bit of that was just the the way that the game was and the game script. And then a little bit of that was, I think Tyrod is just, he's so new to, not the system because he's been there a year, but in terms of actually playing with these guys. And I think Tyrod looked all right. Like he didn't look terrible, but he didn't fill me with a ton of confidence. Like I don't look at Tyrod Taylor and think that guy is going to be the quarterback in 10 weeks time. I don't know how long he'll be there, but he got the dub. So, talking of, uh, well, we might as well talk about it now. Randy Bullock suffered cramp whilst trying to kick a game-tying field goal in the Bengals' loss <laughs> to the Chargers. We mentioned him earlier. I haven't seen it. Did he miss by a long way? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You could have probably built. You could have probably built a house in the space that he missed the kick. Oh, Randy! Thirty-one yarder as well. We're not talking about he hit it from fifty and he shanked it. Like he shanked it from thirty-one, and oh, it was shit. bad. And again, do I believe he had cramp? I'm not so sure. No, that is definitely trying to get rid of the egg on your face there. It's, it's kind of like looking down at the ground and blaming a divot. It's like, <laughs> come on. I'm not so so sure. So, yeah, he did uh, He did have a mare, bless him. 49ers wide receiver Richie James was ruled out against the Cardinals with a hamstring injury. George Kittle also left the game with a lower leg injury after a tackle at the end of the first half. He did come back, but had zero targets in the second half. Yeah, <sighs> There's definitely something with Kittle. Um, he says he felt great after the game. I, again, I'm not so sure. Um, the fact he went out and he played the second half, he was a bit of a decoy. But th- there is something there because you're not going to not throw George Kittle the ball. No. And the Cardinals aren't defensively great enough to take George Kittle out of a game. No. It's just not not happening. So there was something there. We'll find out in the coming days how bad it is. Can he play through it? Is he gonna? Is he gonna miss time? The fact he came out in the second half makes me think that it is something that he can probably play through. Um, but I do have someone who told me that they looked at it and felt, based on the footage, that they felt it was an MCL strain. Oh, good. So we will see. Um, but if he had an MCL strain, I don't know how he would have got out and played the second half. So it would be interesting to see what happens. But uh, we'll see in the coming days if he's going to miss any time. Yeah. But either way... If that's something that's going to be bothering him, if it's going to be similar game script to how we saw in the second half of the loss to the, the Cardinals, maybe, just maybe, he might not be worth playing next week. Yeah, that stings. DeAndre Swift drops a game-winning touchdown with less than 10 seconds left to give the Bears an unlikely win against the Lions. MVP Mitch became MVP Mitch in the fourth quarter. I think he went absolutely bananas. And yeah, apparently I've not seen much football because I was crazy busy this weekend but I, the DeAndre Swift catch literally hit him in both mitts I, I don't know I, it, it, I, I don't know how you drop that like 
he's I think what he's done is he's just not thinking about the catch. He's thinking about turning and getting in, but he's got no pressure on him. He's beat the coverage ends up. He's done all the hard work and he's just dropped it. And that's the sort of thing that just drains all the confidence out of you. And not just from him, but his teammates. Mm-hmm. You know, someone like Matt Stafford isn't going to, if the game's on the line, he's not going to go to the Andre Swift the next time it happens. You know, that, that could be a bit of a dent in the next few weeks for, for Swift. So something to factor in there um but yet credit to mvp mitch like i i was calling for him to be benched at halftime because of how bad he played in the first half and then uh, wow he got to 23 6 and that kid just turned up and he i mean he made some unbelievable throws the one to anthony miller for the touchdown uh the go-ahead touchdown was was perfect i mean he, he gets it out on the outside um throws it against the sideline so only Miller can catch it or it goes out of bounds. I mean, it was just it was just a dime right on the money. It was a great, great throw. And he looked, once the first touchdown happened and this comeback was on, he got into it. Like, he really got into it. And the way that his teammates reacted to him, I think showed me a lot because they were, they were all in on Trubitsky. Who knows? I don't want to say it's a turning point because he listen he he's beaten the lions pretty regularly in his career but that last quarter showed why he was a high draft pick because he, he played faultless football at the point of the game where it mattered and had the more fashionable quarterback if that was rogers who'd had that fourth quarter that that trubitsky had that would be the lead story everywhere right now this would be talked about as one of the great comebacks but because it's mitchell trubitsky it barely gets mentioned and then you've got the swift drop etc but listen I've been very critical of MVP Mitch and I have to stand up and say that he had an absolute blinder down the stretch and and that was as good a fourth quarter comeback as I've ever seen and credit where it's due because he was on the money time and time and time again the way he just marched the, his team down the field you know to get the points to to win the game and to even give him an opportunity to win the game even if they'd lost it to that swift catch, you would have still given him the credit for pulling them into a position where they were 10 seconds from winning the game. Yeah. So yeah, credit, credit was due. It was a, it was a great performance. Everything I've heard on several podcasts today about his performance is that once he got into a rhythm, he was a changed character and hundred percent. That's what I, it seems to be for, for I, Mitchell Trubisky to, to need that rhythm to perform. I, I don't, I wonder if Matt Nagy was perhaps overscripting him and he just wasn't doing what he needed to do and I think they took the shackles off it's like 23-6 this game's over like just go for it and I feel like maybe it was the lack of pressure I'm not so sure I just think he got to the point where he made the he made the calls in the place he wanted to make and he just got into it and I think maybe it was a too overly scripted to start with and he just didn't feel comfortable I don't know maybe it was just ring rust who who knows all I know is you, you saw the entire career of Mitchell Trubitsky in that game. The first half was abysmal and then the second half was absolutely incredible. The problem is, is which Trubitsky turns up next week uh, mm. and the week after? Because if it's the one that turned up in the fourth quarter, they, they'll have chances to win games. If it's the one that turned up in the first half, a better team beats them. Yeah. Um, and, and, and would have put them to the sword. I wouldn't have let them come back. So it'd be interesting. Yeah. Well, I suppose we have to wait and see, right? Yeah, well, that's why we tune in. <laughs> so Ron Rivera, who revealed last uh, recently that he had cancer last month, actually. He, yeah, 
received a precautionary IV during halftime, and that gave second-year quarterback Dwayne Haskins the opportunity to address his team when down 17-7. The IV was planned all along as a precaution, and I'm not surprised considering the treatment he's undergoing. But, yeah, I wonder what Dwayne Haskins said to his team in the locker room. Well, apparently Rivera said it was it was real raucous, um, and he really got the team going, and he showed a lot of leadership saying along the lines of, we're the home team. We are the home team, and we're being embarrassed. We can't have this. Another team credit where it's due. This this team piggybacked off off the defense. The defense time and time again gave this offense the opportunity to win games. And the defense would set the tone in this game. Um, eight sacks, fumble, two interceptions, thirteen tackles for loss, pressures galore. And that that defensive front four for Washington is arguably as good as any front four in the league. Mm. They were phenomenal. Like they just, they just pummeled Wentz. If Wentz gets that every week, he is done by like week six. I mean, that kid's that kid went to bed last night just seeing, just seeing, just seeing red everywhere. He's like, where do I go? He, he was like a ball like, at, at, at Palermo. He's like, what's going on here? Where do I go? It's just a sea of red everywhere. I mean, that offensive line was terrible. We'll get into that, but yeah, and, and, and you know. The thing with the NFL, these players are too good. You leave a team in the game a little bit too long and they can make it dangerous and they can potentially come back and win. And that is what Washington did. It wasn't pretty, but they were a different team second half and, and credit where it's due to Ron Rivera and his staff. Well, we're going to do some fantasy takeaways now, Murph. We've got five each. You just mentioned the Philly O-line. Why don't you start there? Yeah, so I one of the takeaways is this Philly O-line. I mean, that was... I, I we saw a really bad O line performance from Tampa in, in Donovan Smith, but we saw an individual poor performance that affected the game. This whole line was terrible. I mean it was it was abysmal. Um and I know that they've had injuries. I know they've lost Pro Bowl and all pro players in that offensive line. I mean, they need to go and do something in free agency now, claiming players off waivers or going to sign somebody because that line now Wentz isn't playing the season. He's he can't take that kind of punishment. And you know, Wentz came out and he said that was on me. I must do better. I must play better. I don't think there was a lot. Maybe the last interception he held on the ball a tad too long. But Christ, when you when you face the kind of pressure he did, I almost don't blame him. Like he just got so much on him. It was just, what is he? What does he do? And it wasn't like one guy was getting to him. It was just a combination. They were just literally, they all had to go. It was a field day. And if that continues to happen, Wentz is not going to be a top 12 fantasy quarterback because he's not going to get the time on the ball to make the plays. They already don't have the wide receivers to make the plays. So he's just going to be dinking and dunking to tight ends all season. If you've got Ertz, if you've got Goddard, it's dream scenario because these guys are going to absolutely eat because he's never going to get the ball downfield because he's never going to get the time to get the pass off. And and Wentz is also he's just we've he, we've seen this in his career he's not durable he you know I'm not talking about what happened to him in the playoffs like that is a freak he gets a head on head collision and gets a concussion you can't odds that that's not that's not an injury that you can you can script for but this he has had injuries and he has missed time in his career and if he continues to get the kind of pressure he did he he will miss time but he's just not going to get to make throws. And they haven't got Miles Sanders in there at the moment. I just question what is going to happen when the when the Rams come to town next week. And 
does that Rams defensive front like Aaron? You've got Aaron Donald to deal yeah. with next week with that offensive line. Like, geez, <laughs> like Aaron Donald could get five sacks next week. Like, I don't think that's going to happen, but that is no longer out of the realm of possibility for me, having watched that O-line performance. Like, if, if I looked at the stat lines and saw Aaron Donald got five sacks next week, then that wouldn't even shock me. That'd be like, okay, yeah. After seeing that O-line performance, fine. Like, I, I can buy that argument now. And, and that is a serious problem. You've just got to get guys that will come in and, and do a job. And there's plenty of guys out there that you could sign and, and, and do something. So they need they need to fix it because it, not only is their season going to go down in flames, but their quarterback, who they've invested a lot of money in, could as well. So I'd be severely concerned if you've got a lot of shares of this Philly offense in Rager, in, in anybody really. Just, just it's something to keep an eye on yeah. um, because – it's getting to the point here where if you've got Wentz, if you see that next week where he gets sacked another six to eight times, I'd be going to get a quarterback as your backup. And I'd be seriously thinking about matchups because he, he gets hit again that many times. He's not going to be a, a top 12 fantasy quarterback. Um, I just got some more breaking news. Um, and something we talked about earlier with David and Juku, he is going to be placed on injury preserve There you go. with that injury. Breaking news. So my first of my five fantasy takeaways from week one is that apparently the air raid system spread offense is no longer a thing in Arizona and they don't decide to throw it to everybody, just DeAndre Hopkins. And not 10 times, not 12 times, but 16 times, and he catches 14 of them. Doesn't make it into the paint. But when you consider the Piff Kingsbury receivers tend to average 100 targets through the year, and DeAndre Hopkins has just had 16 in one game. Like what? That is so far removed from what we know of Kingsbury's air raid. Like next week, I've just got no idea. I genuinely have no idea. I think I'll answer this a little bit. Having watched, I haven't done the full rewatch of this game, but I have looked at, at bits of it, and I think it's a combination of two things. One, the fact that that the 49ers defense was schemed for that air raid. So they didn't double DeAndre Hopkins. They did not put extra pressure on him. You know, they went out there and they put men on Kirk and put men on Fitzgerald and and they played a bit of a spread defense. And so what that did is it left Hopkins in a lot of favorable matchups. And he is as good as anybody in, in the league in being able to take guys on one-on-one. And he got a lot of very favorable one-on-one matchups um, especially in midfield, and he was able to really exploit it because he's that good of a receiver. Don't forget, this guy was, you know, he's an all-pro. He's he's a Pro Bowl uh, 99 on Madden, all of the accolades and, and everything that went along with it. And so now what Cliff Clinsbury's got is this amazing dynamic of, well, you can scheme for my air raid and I'll just load to a top five NFL wide receiver, probably top three, maybe even top two, I don't, I, you know. I think you get to that point, they're all kind of as good as each other or close to. It's just situation that takes it over the top. But talent-wise, he's up there. And so if you're just going to give him favorable one-on-one matchups, he's going to eat. And then what? Well, it's quite clever because if you if you decide to double him, then you've got all these other guys in the air raid can be absolutely exploited. So they lined up in a lot of formations that were favorable to the air raid but murray and and hopkins just got on page really quickly and 
you know, his catch radius is, is immense. So I wouldn't say dead. I just think that they're, they're being able to use it as a, as another weapon is almost like a decoy. Mm. Um, it was, it was, it was great to watch from what I saw. And it was a very good and very unlikely win that they performed against the 49ers. Absolutely. So I've, I've got here that the Baltimore backfield is, is cleared up and Mark Ingram is not the guy. I mean, we knew that Dobbins was going to be the guy to lead this team going forward. And we were sure we were just like, do we start Dobbins? Do we start Ingram? Probably start Ingram to start with. He's not going to get a massive fade straight away. Now, listen, the Baltimore run game wasn't great to start with. Uh, yesterday, it was one of the worst rushing performances uh, that they've had under Lamar Jackson. And that's fine that they, they, they coasted, they won very easily. It doesn't make a big difference, but what, was telling was who was getting the goal line carries. It was J.K. Dobbins. Who was involved in the red zone? It was J.K. Dobbins. So I'm at this point now that if I had Mark Ingram in my team, he's not in any of my lineups next week. Absolutely no chance. I would rather take the chance on him blowing up on my bench than starting him and him getting another three fantasy points like he did this week. Mm. He's just He's just not reliable because – if he's not getting the touchdowns that he was getting last season and all we've seen in, in week one, and yes, it's week one, but it sets the tone that J.K. Dobbins got in the pay dirt twice and mm. that he had all the work and it wasn't Mark Ingram. So unless Mark Ingram's hurt and he's going to resume that role, you have to now work on the assumption that Mark Ingram is not fantasy relevant. And he might have games that he flashes, but if you took Mark Ingram with a fourth round pick or fifth round pick, you're kicking your heels right now because he's not going to return. He's not going to return back on his ADP. Yeah, absolutely. What I found interesting, I've seen the Baltimore highlights. What I found interesting was how they used J.K. Dobbins as a downfield blocker for Lamar Jackson on designed runs. It was they trusted him enough to go in and well, be I the blocker. I don't think that was a designed play. I think what happened was you're talking about the the game that that Jackson had. I think he got down to the two for a first down. It wasn't actually a design play. It was an audible call where they told Dobbins, I think he'd shout came from Lamar to block because what they were looking to do was to try and get Dobbins out open in the flat. He got double covered. Uh, options to the left weren't, weren't as clear either, even though you can't really see it from all angles after watch the all 22 to see all of it. But it was definite that Dobbins went from a receiving position to then blocking which says that it was an audible call as opposed to a, a design block but still the fact that he was willing to do it when players do that kind of thing and they respond and they do that kind of work they get rewarded with more touches more touches in the end in the red zone and more touchdowns absolutely so my second point is the fact that the vikings still want to pound the ruck even though they are being blown out and uh Dalvin cook was lucky to get into the end zone twice to save his fantasy day it was only garbage time points that Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen scored. And by then it was too late because Aaron Rodgers was having his way with the Vikings and uh, Devontae Adams was showing up. And I think the Vikings defense will mean that there's several weeks well, until they start gelling where they're going to give up points that like they did against Green Bay. And mm. Gary Kubiak is smart enough to know that although running the ball is good for him and his system. He's going to have to pass the ball more. And if Dalvin Cook gets a few more receptions, we saw last year that he's good as a receiving back. And now Alexander Madison also showed that he's got the skills. So mm. we may well see more of them, which leads me on to my next point, 
Uh, I'll get to in a second. But if Madison's there taking some of Dalvin Cook's role, it's important that Cook makes the most of the receptions that he's going to have to have if the Vikings are coming from behind. So I might as well go straight into my third one, Murph. And it's, it appears that running back by committee is the way teams are starting the season out early doors. More players are being used at each position, whether it's running backs or wide receivers. And I think from what I watched, this could be to avoid snap count and injuries by using more of your roster is it good for fantasy players no and yes no because they won't get you as many points but yes they're not going to get injured the injuries we've seen are perhaps not freak injuries but like you said you're surprised there isn't more and maybe it's because more players were used at each position and rolled on rolled off sort of thing and that's a smart observation, and maybe that is something that's been taken into consideration. I think running back by committee is going to be more commonplace. I think teams need to establish the run more. But I don't think it's anything overly worrying in certain circumstances. There's a few I can think of. Dalvin Cook's probably the prime example of someone who's who's not going to see enough devaluation by sharing time with Alexander Madison. Yeah. They have very different skill sets and can do very different things. And Matson will probably snipe the odd touchdown from Dalvin Cook, but Dalvin Cook is still going to be, if fit, the whole season a top 12 fantasy running back. I think the the thing with the running back by committee thing is, especially early on, is, is don't stress about it. Just keep an eye on the snap counts. Um, even if it's not the carries, the snap counts is key because what you want to see is players getting consistent looks and consistent plays in the offense. If you're seeing running backs and they're getting 29, 31% of, of carries or, or sorry, of snaps played, that's a serious issue. That's something that you need to be aware of and, and maybe pivot from, monitor it for a week, see if the same happens. If you're seeing over time that that number isn't sharply increasing, then you know that person's role isn't as relevant. And then the other thing you want to see is touches on those carries. So, okay, if, if for example... Uh, a team runs 45 times a game, highly unlocked. Well, yeah, let's say they run 45 times a game. Um, one player comes in and he only plays 33% of the snaps, but every time he's in, he carries the ball. That's not so bad. Or he carries, like, if he ends up with 15 carries, that's fine. That means he's fantasy relevant. If you've got a low snap count and a low volume, they're players you need to start fading. And, and Mark Ingram is a big example of that on Sunday. So it's something to keep an eye on, not anything to panic about just yet, but you need to just monitor those trends because certain players are going to get their times cut and certain players are going to change as these rookies and younger players um, develop. And, and back to what you said about Kubiak, I think that his biggest problem yesterday was he had a game plan for that game and refused to move away from it until the game was over. Um, it's not just about the Gary Kubiak runs the ball. We know that. But we know that the the Green Bay Packers are severely deficient against the run, or they were last season. You know, in the NFC Championship game, they gave up 186 yards before contact yeah. to the 49ers, which is just ridiculous. And I think the Gary Kubiak thought the only way back into this game was just to keep pounding the rock. And actually, they just didn't work. So you've got a quarterback you're paying 30 million a year to you, you need to trust him to make plays and you've got one of the best wide receivers out there in, in Adam Phelan. Um, you've got promising young rookies. You've got decent tight ends. You've got receive, you've got backs who can catch the ball. Just be a bit more creative in the play calling and don't get caught because they just got caught doing the same thing over and over again. And, and the, and the Packers just controlled the game. Yep. So 
yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see how that one evolves. And I bet they wish they had that one back because their secondary <laughs> is, is terrible. Um, I've never seen wide receivers be as open as, as some as Devontae Adams and Marcus Valdez Scantling were when they got into the end zone. I mean, it was, it was laughable towards the end. So yeah, I've got, so I'll go with next and um, back to quarterbacks that Baker Mayfield might actually cost Browns fantasy players points over the season. So Baker Mayfield yesterday, I would argue, is probably the worst performing quarterback. And they're not just saying that because they only put up one touchdown. He just wasn't he just wasn't good. He didn't look good. His footwork looked off. Um, he didn't look like he was on page with, with any of his receivers. Um, he really just didn't look he didn't look like a number one overall pick. He he looked like a man devoid of, of confidence. And I, look, I appreciate that the, the Ravens are probably one of the best defenses in the league that he's going to face this season. But 21 for 39 for 189 yards, one touchdown, one interception is just not going to cut it at this level. And when you've got the weapons that he has in Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., he's got Kareem Hunt in the backfield who can catch balls. Um, he's got a new shiny tight end in Austin Hooper who they've paid a lot of money to. Uh, they're lining up in two tight end sets. I really worry, and I'm trying not to overreact to one game, but if he plays any more like he did at that level, I'm worried about all the shares of Kareem Hunt. I'm worried about all the shares of Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. Because Odell Beckham Jr. does not look like a third-round wide receiver. And Jarvis Landry doesn't even look like he can return on a fifth or sixth-round uh, wide receiver. I mean, yeah, Landry put up five, for, five catches for 61 yesterday, but I, I just don't. It just didn't look pretty from the Browns. And I appreciate it's a first game from Kevin Stefanski and there's new pieces, but they need to do better. And a lot of it goes back to Baker Mayfield. He he missed a lot of wide open throws. Uh, his footwork looked, looked uh, it's always been questionable, but it looked, it looked really bad yesterday. He just didn't look like he got set. Didn't look like he could, he, he could have played that game for another four hours and I don't think he would have scored. Mm. So I, I'm, hoping it's just a one-off, but I am concerned that I have shares of players connected to Baker Mayfield because that could be really damaging through the season if he plays many more games like he did. Yep, for sure, for sure. Talking of somebody else who needs to improve is the Falcons' defense. Julio Jones will not be the red zone guy for the Falcons. Uh, Dirk Cutter's their OC, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, he's basically come out and said as much. He said uh, Julio won't be targeted in the red zone. He's going to have to do more of his touchdown work on big plays from deep field. Calvin Ridley appears to be the red zone threat for them. Hayden Hurst will get worked in, but obviously Jamal Adams pretty much shadowed him all day yesterday whilst zipping about the field everywhere. He looked really good, Jamal Adams, for the Seahawks. But yeah, Julio Jones, don't expect too much from him from the red zone. And this could be where we see the start of the passing of the torch. I don't know. Calvin Ridley looked uh, good yesterday. And... I don't think this is new information in the sense of no, this is I, the trend I, for the last couple of years, but you're I right. And it's... It, it's why I couldn't pay the second round pick for Julio Jones too often is because what was his touchdown number every year? Five, six. He'll get a couple in one game against the Bucks because he always does. And then you're <laughs> like, where does he get the rest of his touchdowns from? You know, I, I fully expect Calvin Ridley to get double-digit touchdowns, and I can't say the same about Julio Jones. And, and, and Dirk Cutter, I mean, at least Dirk Cutter is good enough to admit it. Uh, week one, I think this was all, this is always the concern for Julio, but he has that big play ability to break off a 30-yard, 40-yard touchdown. But it's not what you want to hear. Your, your second-round 
wide receiver, probably your wide receiver three off the board, is the man who's not going to be catching the, the yeah, passes in the red zone. And yeah, you need to pivot. Um, the only way you can pivot is one, rely on his yardage. I mean, listen, he put up 157, 159 yards yesterday. Um, so even without the touchdown, he, he still put up a, a, a more than significant fantasy day and, and he'll have a lot of games like that. Or you try and trade him. I don't know what you try and get back for him, but you know it seems to be that running backs is, is the way to go and, and to invest in, in running backs given the amount of touchdowns that they scored relevant to what wide receivers scored yesterday. Mm. So... Uh, something to consider. Um, speaking of running back touchdowns, I'm going to go to Josh Allen. And again, this isn't new information, but it's interesting that this myth was trying to be dispelled with the arrival of Zach Moss, and it has not, which is Josh Allen is going to continue to hurt um, Buffalo's backfield for touches in the red zone. And Zach Moss isn't going to dispel that. Everyone's like, oh, Zach Moss, he can do this. Zach Moss, he can do that. Josh Allen is just in the one set mindset that he will score. If they're inside the 10, he will score. Do you know what happened when he tried to do it yesterday? He fumbled the ball. But listen, he also scored a couple of times on the ground. So this is what Josh Allen does. He gets there. He's strong enough. He's big enough. He knows he can beat players and get in. And it's very successful. He's yet to throw a touch, an interception in the red zone in his career. He has 16 passing touchdowns. I don't know how many more rushing touchdowns he has on top of that. Uh, I think it's another 16, 17 rushing touchdowns. He has over 30 touchdowns in the red zone and and no interceptions during his career. And it's because he just doesn't throw the ball too much when he's inside the 10. He just runs it himself. He does a wheel route and, and he goes in. And if you took Devin Singletree with a fifth round pick, you are absolutely heading your hands because Zach Moss is eating into his share. Um, Zach Moss got the receiving touchdown from Josh Allen yesterday, which Singletree is not going to do. And you're sitting there thinking, what am I going to do with my asset now? You better hope that boy rushes for 100 yards a game because he's he's going to get in the end zone maybe four or five times this year at max. And yeah, he's, he's a massive arrow down Singletree. And, and I almost think that either of these running backs are week by week flex plays at best. I don't think either of them are, are beyond that. So if you have many shares of Devin Singletree, you're probably not going to get a lot for them, but see what you can get or you use them as bi-week cover or you see what happens as it develops. But yeah, he's not going to return back on ADP. So Josh Allen will continue to, to really hurt those, those players. And it's a shame, but it's good if you took Josh Allen because that's what <laughs> you took him for. Exactly that. So I will finish up with my last one. And it's more of a personal observation. As I've mentioned it earlier. It's week one is week one. Continue to trust in the process you set out in the preseason, your drafts and the players you've picked up and added since your draft. Things will iron themselves out. This is a bizarre week one in the COVID world we now live in. Things will become clearer once we have more data to rely on. But if you feel like you drafted well and you've got a good understanding of the game, then continue to go the way you're going make those waiver claims and things was you know if you're Owen one it isn't the end of the world yes we like to start fast and get that first win but Owen one it's basically you're basically starting again at a zero and zero don't worry about that week one loss if it happened to you like it did me no absolutely and that's something to to consider but I think yeah week one is week one don't overreact I know we've we picked out some things they're things that we are monitoring and and watching because it's important to do that but at the same token, don't make a massive move unless it's injury related and you know what's doing. So 
stick with us. We'll navigate you through the woods and hope you hopefully get you to where you want to get to with regards to winning titles and championships. Exactly that. If you haven't listened to Murph's waiver wire pod yet, why not? Uh, it would have been out before this, but if you still have time, if your waivers process on a Wednesday like ours do, go and grab that before you listen to this because there's some tip-top advice in there. Or if you haven't got time to listen, then uh, head over to fiveyardrush.co.uk, check out Murph's waiver well article. That is there. And uh, I ran it through a word counter thing and it said it's about a seven-minute read. So if you don't have seven minutes, you need to make some because it's worthwhile getting that information. Well, fair in that, just look at the titles. <laughs> I've, I I made them bigger so you could just look at the players on there. Very true. And then it's like 27 characters, so you've got absolutely no excuse whatsoever. We've got a lot of stuff dropping on the website this week, Rush Nation. Don't forget to check out the boys over at Five Yard College. Now the college season is fully underway. I'd just like to say, boys, it was a nice week one. I stepped in and top scored in the entire league. So, yeah, things to come. Five Yard going to bring home that championship as well. Murph, this has been a lot of fun, man. Week one is almost in the books when you hear this it is in the books so denver smashing tennessee was always good fun <laughs> well the alternative version is ryan Tannehill leads the charge again to another victory that was unexpected yeah and as for the college league i i only fielded like five players this week and i only lost by a point so uh, i feel really confident about my draft i already wrote off week two or week one or whatever you want to call it Um, and week three like literally everyone else is on by week three as well the season doesn't really start till week four in college for some reason yeah so i wasn't that bothered i was quite happy with the way that my uh my boys performed so yeah but uh stay tuned got some more pods coming this week uh it's exciting time uh football is back and let's go and get those ships absolutely rush nation you heard it here first well not first football's back everyone knows it's back you've all been watching it Murph, you stay safe. Rush Nation, you stay safe. This COVID thing doesn't appear to be going away. But until next week, Rush Nation, as always, don't forget, keep rushing. to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.